morning, Brother Mark came back and asked me if I had anything on my mind, and uh, the fact is I got a lot of things on my mind, but yet it's uh, when we're going to stand up here, we, we need to uh, try to condense some of those things and make some sense. We want to not just bring an emotional thing to you, but we want to stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. That's the job of the ministry. It's not to teach you everything you ever need to know. Uh, it is to guide you. It is to teach in a way that would stir up your appetite, your spiritual appetite, to go into the Word of God and to study. You're not relinquished from your responsibility to study, to pray, to meditate, call upon the Lord and beg the Holy Ghost to give you direction. The Holy Ghost was not only given, He wasn't given just to the ministry. He's given to the church. And we pray the Lord send the Spirit into the church. And that's not a mindset. That is the third person of the Trinity. That's how, that's how important that aspect is. Brother Jimmy, we're talking about God manifested in the Spirit. That's a reality to the church. That was a promise to the church. The, what, what has been on mind of late is the books of Corinthians, the apostles', apostles writings to the church of Corinth. And, and it's a lot of things he, he, had, uh, he had to deal with, but yet before he dealt with any big issues of the natural sense that the church was going through, he established some spiritual spiritual pillars, I'll call them. Um, in the first three chapters, he established, before he ever gets into some of the problems, he, he gets into establishing some pillars for the church. These three pillars hold up uh, things that all churches, no matter what condition the church is in, whether it's at peace, whether it's at this, this chaos, it all has to come back to these three things. That I, and I'm not saying this is the only pillars to the church, but I'm saying these are three that Paul establishes in the first three chapters. The first, the first pillar is, is that God is the one that gets the glory. No matter what we deal with, no matter how we act as Christians, and that's what's been on my mind lately, of, of this idea of what, what it means to me is, to be a Christian. What is that? That term gets thrown around and mishandled and abused and uh, persecuted, but yet uh, it's, in some people, it's a popular thing, and other people, it's a curse for people to think of you as, oh, you're, you're a Christian. You know, I, I want to understand as a follower of Christ what that's going to mean. And these pillars, they, they hold up those things. But just to give you the three pillars, the one is God gets the glory. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And the reason that he brought that up first is that they were glorying in men. They were establishing men as being the, the, the very thing that they would polarize around. And I think we, we have seen the... the uh, the, the nature of man to do that. that we, we find the popular guy, the popular one, and a lot of times the popular one is the one that goes with what I think. If I think he's right, I think that I'll polarize with him. Well, the church was doing that, and they were glorying in men. 
So we find that the Apostle Paul establishes right off the bat, even though he was a great apostle, I mean the Lord called him to do a heavy lifting work of planting the churches, taking care of the churches, addressing issues in the church, and this was at a time when the church wasn't established yet. It wasn't, it, it was like a, that little plant that is so tender that it's planted and you gotta, you gotta really watch out for the grub worms and all the things that would come uh, to that tender plant that maybe a larger plant that has been established long enough, maybe it can fend off some of its attackers. But this tender, this tender church has been planted he had to deal with some of those. So he did a lot of the heavy lifting, Brother James. He, he established the churches and he fielded all of those issues that the environment around Corinthian church was kind of like keep Austin weird kind of thing. You think that doesn't play into some of our way of thinking? It, just, it certainly can get into our thinking sometime that we, we kind of let ourselves go along with that. Well, Corinth was no different. They were... They were housed and kept in that environment, and they had a lot of things coming against them. And it, it was kind of the popular thing. We, we saw Paul found it at Mars Hill when he found men had been setting up altars to all their ideas. They weren't setting them up to real gods. They were setting it up to their ideas. So it's men's ideas that we have to fight against, and God, the Apostle Paul establishes right off the bat, God is the one that is to be glorified. It's not God should be glorified. It is God is to be glorified. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. The second one is, how do we understand spiritual things? Well, in, a, in the environment of the Socrates and, the, and, and all these learned men of Athens and Mars Hill and Corinth is just right there by it. Natural intellect was the going thing. They were wanting to hear the more uh, enticing word, the more, uh, the more complex you can make it. That's got to be getting close to the truth. It's got to be more complex than this. Well, the Apostle Paul establishes one very important thing. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit. Neither indeed can he know them, for their foolishness unto them. So the second pillar is spiritual things must be discerned by the spiritual individual, by a spiritual uh, entity. And that spiritual entity, my friend, is that newborn child of God that it has faculties of the Spirit. That's what born of the Spirit is all about. It, the source of that new creature is the Spirit. So it has the nature of the spirit. I have the nature of a man, and I can understand some things of the nature of man. Some men can understand a lot more complex things of men because they're engineers and they can work. They, they, know the, they don't know just what works. They know how it works. And that's good. Men know natural things. But my friends, men in the natural intellect cannot cannot discern spiritual things. Let me ask you, can you naturally comprehend the resurrection of the dead? No, that doesn't come through natural intellect. That, you'll never find a scientist say, yeah, I can prove that. I can prove that in the laboratory, or I can do this, 
I can do this thing out here that I can show you the resurrection from the dead because to the natural man, that is incomprehensible. It's also incomprehensible to the man that God can say, let there be light, and there's light. That cannot be understood naturally. You know why? Because we are captured under the, we are less than what God created because we, we can't do what he did. We can't re-manufacture re, uh, that act of let there be light. We can understand some particles of light. We can understand what you can do with light. But I tell you, you cannot go from nothing to light in the natural understanding. It has to be through faith we understand. Paul said, through faith we understand. The things that were made were made by things that doth not appear. It's the spiritual entity in you that can understand that Christ not only died upon that cross, but he rose again the third day. Matter of fact, in this season, when we think about a birth, we have a lot of understanding about the way things happen to bring about conception and natural birth. But my friends, can you understand a virgin conceive and bear a son? We... Natural man can't figure that out. But spiritually, my friend, through faith, we understand that a, a virgin did conceive. She did bear a son, and his name was called Jesus. Amen. For he did save his people from their sins. I'll change the verse just a little bit. That was, that was before he was born, introducing him. I go back and I tell you about the one who was born that did save his people. He accomplished what he came to do. And through faith, I can tell you that I believe, I believe in a man by the name of Jesus who died and rose again from the dead and is seated at the right hand of God making intercession for your prayers and for your prayers and for your prayers. Every single one of them, not a one of them had more clout than the other. Not a one of them had more pull. Every one of them has the ear of the mediator. Every single one of them has the heart of the mediator. Every single one of them is touch. They, they touch that heart of the mediator that hears their prayers. Why? Because he made you related to him. You belong to him, Brother David. You are bought with a prayer. You're not your own. You don't belong to yourself, nor any of the rest of you. You are not your own. You're bought with a price. You're bought with a price. I believe in a man by the name of Jesus. Through faith, through spiritual understanding, I want to follow Christ. That's what identity of a Christian is. They were first called Christians at Antioch. At Antioch. That's a Gentile place, not Jerusalem. That doesn't mean there wasn't Christians in Jerusalem. But the Gentiles began to carry that identity of Christians. By the way, there were some that had escaped Jerusalem and went up to Antioch. And they were preaching that message that we want to preach this morning of a risen Savior who died for your sins and accomplished what he came to do and will finally see it to its completion. That's the third pillar, really, actually, is the fact of the matter is there's a foundation, Paul says, no, no foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. 
It's not some man's idea of how the organization needs to be run. It's about a man that was God manifested in the flesh. It is upon that rock that the church is built. It's upon that rock that the church will stand. It's upon that rock that there will be followers called Christians, identified as Christians, who, who go about to believe and to advocate and to spread and to share this message of a Savior by the name of Jesus Christ who not only died and was rose again and went back to heaven, but he promised, I will pray to the Father and he will send another comforter. See, he had been a comforter, but there was going to be need for another comforter. You're not going to see him with your hands. You're not going to, he's not going to come in here and sit down and body with us. He's not going to eat at the table with us like the Lord did with his disciples. But I'll tell you of a fact, my friends, the Holy Ghost still comes among his church. The proof of the matter is there are still people being identified as Christians. Call them what you will, my friends, but they're Christians because they're following the name of Christ. They're giving glory to God who sent forth his son and received him back in his victory. They're Christians, my friends, because they understand things through spiritual understanding. And, and the very fact that we can we can understand that it has to be through spiritual understanding is a glory giving mm -hmm. back to God. It's a, it's a circuit. God gives and then God receives back in glory through this spiritual understanding. He gives us in the second Corinthian letter, in the first, first chapter, 12th verse, he talks about the testimony of the conscience. The testimony of the conscience. My friends, it goes way beyond your mouth. It goes way beyond your mind, your, your mental cap capacity. It goes to the testimony of your conscience. You know, he, Paul had talked to, to uh, Agrippa, and Agrippa was listening to what Paul said. Festus thought he was crazy. He said, you're mad. Much learning has made you mad. He said, no, I'm not mad, Festus. I'm I got a message for you. And he preached from the prophets and the old text about Jesus being who he was and what he was. And he appealed to Agrippa. And Agrippa says, thou hast almost persuaded me. Paul said, I'm not that you would just almost be persuaded, but not only you, but everybody else under my hearing would follow this. Would follow this. He, he appealed not to his intellect, but he appealed to the testimony of his conscience. Way down deep, right there where you not can just understand it with a mental capacity, but you feel it with a heart that knows that it's true. And you testify in the heart this conscience. And Paul, that's what, he, that's what Agrippa actually was. I believe, I believe Agrippa was appealing here back to Paul. Paul, I feel what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But you see, for some, to follow after Christ, there comes in that aspect of, well, it's not going to be the most popular thing. It's not going to be a politically correct thing. It's going to be something that I'll have to suffer. Mm -hmm. That's one of the side effects of being a Christian, not just identified, not just as uh, confessing as, as a Christian, but also 
suffering as a Christian. But my friend, the third, the third pillar, the third pillar after God gets glory and the spiritual understanding is finally there is no other foundation to lay. All there is to do now is to build on the foundation that's laid. The Apostle Paul didn't make up the foundation. He laid the foundation. I didn't make concrete, but I might lay the, I might lay the concrete. I lay it out in its form, and it's, and it's put together there. I didn't make the concrete. I just put it in order. The concrete is what it is. Well, the foundation of Jesus Christ is what it is, Brother Mark. I didn't make him to be what he is. But what we can do, we can set it in order. And then tell everyone else and us, myself, now let's build the house. Now let's build upon that foundation. But let a man beware how you build and what you build with. There's, there's consequences to what you build with. You build with precious, you build with hay, wood, and stubble. It you can make a building, you can make a hut, you can make a, some kind of a thing that you can stay in and reside in. It, it may protect you from the elements for a while. But I'll tell you when the test comes, and that's where that's where the testimony of the conscience really gets hit. It's when we face those things that's been mentioned here. This morning, when there are those that, that come down with that illness that just devastates our lives. When we understand, Brother James, that we are to ask God for his help. And we are to ask God for his mercy and his tenderness. That, my friends, is the testimony of the conscience. When we're facing those difficult times, that's when the trial of how you built upon the foundation. I tell you, you build it with hay, wood, and stubble. You haven't, you haven't touched the foundation. You haven't, you haven't denigrated it. You haven't done anything to that foundation because when the fire comes, it consumes all those things like wood, hay, and stubble. But then, my friends, if you build with the precious stone, the gold, and the silver, those things, I'm not talking about natural. I'm talking about those those true elements of our lives that mean something. How we raise our kids. How we honor our parents. How we look to those grandparents and all, all those, those really important aspects of life. And if everything else is taken, that still remains. And that's where the testimony of the conscience really gets tested. And when we're laying one in the ground and, the, and we have to walk off and leave it, we lost a great president. But there he's just with all mankind. He, he is equal with all mankind no matter what. But when, we have, when they had to walk off and leave that grave, it's just like you walking off and leaving one. It gets tested right there. But what happens, my friend, when you build with those precious things, that precious trust, you learn from the foundation that that's not the end of it right there. That's just a, that's just a transition time. That on that foundation, I can trust that that loved one is seated looking into the very eyes of the Savior that was born of a, in a manger by a virgin who went to a cross on Calvary's hill and he underwent the most suffering moment that a mankind can ever suffer, something that you will never have to suffer. 
I don't care what happens to your natural flesh. Well, I do, but I, no matter what happens to your natural flesh, we'll never have to suffer what he suffered because he went to that place and God, the judge, judged him in your place. In your place. I don't just follow him because he did that. I follow him, my friends, because he has, he has loved me. I love him because he first loved me. That's the foundation, my friends, in which Paul says no other man can lay any other foundation than that which we have laid and that which is, is Christ Jesus. No wonder he would tell them, I desire to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the only important thing, friends. That's the only thing to draw back to. That's the foundation that holds our building. Our building will be tested. Our building will come through one way or the other. But you know what happens when all that wood, hay, and stubble gets consumed? The foundation's still laid. The foundation's still just as firm, just as solid and unmovable. And you know what? You, you start building again. You start back. You know where that is? That's repentance. That's repentance. Is when I have built with the wrong stuff, I have gone the wrong direction, it's time for the testimony of the, the, testimony of the conscience to, set, to be worked on, and godly sorrow worketh repentance. Not to be repented of. That brings you to a good place. It takes you from that bad place to the best place where now you're building upon the foundation again. That's the value of the church, friends. We, we, we need to take a good look at ourselves and the church and what we believe, not from what men say it is, but what do you say that Christianity means? What is your, what is your Christian attitude? What is that all about? It's all about in him... We live, move, and have our being. He is all that we can depend on. Everything else is sinking sand. Brother.